The Western Hockey League season is in full swing and the Two Paper Guys podcast has you covered. Hear reaction on news and storylines in Medicine Hat, Prince Albert, and around the league. The podcast starts right here, right now. Here's your host, Nathan Reiter of the Prince Albert Daily Herald and James Tubb of the Medicine Hat News. Welcome back, everyone, to the Two Paper Guys podcast. This is episode number ten. We're in the double digits already, James. How are you? How are you doing on this uh, Sunday morning as we're recording here? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. Feeling fancy. Feeling ten. You know that episode. Uh, it's kind of nice reaching that. It's kind of cool to see. And but no, I'm doing good. Uh, just enjoying some daylight savings. How about yourself, Nathan? We don't do that here in Saskatchewan. We don't touch our clocks. Oh, that's right. Well, how are you doing anyways, then, just on your normal time? I mean, slept like a baby. What else can you ask for? But uh, this episode, what we're going to, for guests listening, plan for this episode is the first half, first segment of the show here. It's just going to be us two talking about the Medicine Hat Tigers, how they've been doing it as of, as of recently. And then in the second half of the program, we'll have the play-by-play voice of the Prince Albert Raiders, Nolan Cole, join the program alongside of Martin Ring, who's been the longtime color commentator for Raider home games. So we'll have those two guys in the second half of, of the program. But uh, since we left off, James, uh, the Tigers were just about to kick off their BC division road trip. Kind of how has the team been doing since that BC trip? Yeah, you know, it it is kind of crazy that that was the last time we talked about this team. And it, so much has happened since then. Like the Tigers on the road trip, um, Oh, you think I'd remember it a little bit better? They went three and two on that road trip. Could have maybe went four and one. Um, probably could have went five and all. Oh, but again, you can only can't ask for perfection. So, and then since then they've been uh, three one and one on a homestand. Picking up wins, they have ten wins. Episode ten, it lines up perfectly, and uh, they sit first place in the Eastern Conference, first place in Central Division. Um, but they have seen some play that hasn't been up to their standards. I know they lost a tough one against Portland. That's a really good winter Hawks team that came into town. Mike Johnson's a heck of a hockey coach. Uh, that was a tough one to lose, 6-3, that they really wanted to control the pace a little bit more. And that carried into Friday night. They lost a 4-3 overtime loss against Lethbridge, the first Highway 3 matchup of the season. And that was a game where there was no pace from the Tigers whatsoever. Willie Desjardins hockey is fast and it's relentless. And the Tigers were not, neither Friday night. And that really bothered the head coach who made it clear after the game that he was disappointed in their pace. And since then, they had a nice bounce back against... Uh... Man, it was just last night. Who did they Everett. play? They played Everett. Thank you. And against a good Everett team, they bounced back and beat them 4-1 and as we're recording, they're on their way to Edmonton right now, so we'll see how that goes tonight. But for the Tigers, it's been well, it's been a good stretch here, just getting wins and uh, a busy little stretch here at home. And and I think the thing that that the main thing I wanted to point out is that you look at the Tigers now, like they're first place in the Eastern Conference at ten five and two, but this team is only going to get better as the season season goes on, and as this group gets more experience in the Western Hockey League. Like once these guys have a year or two in the league under the belt, it's going to be scary to watch this group 
continue to develop. It is, yeah. And like they've got four 16 year olds in the lineup on a regular basis. That's excluding, well, that includes Gavin McKenna, who's away at the U 17s right now for Canada Red. So those guys, I know last year a bunch, Willie said how important it is for those guys after Christmas. That's when they'll get better. So we'll see that from them. And you got your draft eligible guys who are only going to get better and more comfortable as the year goes on while they handle um, the draft expectations and trying to win. So, yeah, this team, there's still a long way to go for this Tigers team. And for them to have success right now is exciting. And there's a lot of excitement going forward. And the last time we we talked about the Tigers, you mentioned the three goaltenders still on the roster. And according to the website, it appears they still have the, the three goalies at at this time with Ethan McCallum getting getting the nod last night against Everett. But uh, do you still think it's Evan Mays' crease at the moment? Or do you think there's a little bit more competition there in, in Medicine Hat to be had? Yeah, it's really interesting because there are still three goaltenders here. And as of late, they've all played pretty well. I mean, Ethan McCallum, his first career start was in Regina on October 4th. Uh, that was a game the Tigers got to the rank 20 minutes before warm-up due to bus uh, issues. So here's a 17-year-old about to play his first WHL game and barely has time to get ready for warm-up. He gave up uh, three goals on 14 shots, got pulled after the first period. It was more of a momentum pull, as far as I understand, so it wasn't entirely his fault. So for him, get into a game a month later, that's a lot of practice in between then and now. And he played really well. So he shows that he can maybe belong here. Zach Sahara has done the same. He's picked up a couple wins uh, between the pipes. And, you know, Evan May, he was the guy from the start, and he's had some really good games, and he's had some games where he just didn't look as sharp. So... I don't know. Um, I think you would still give the edge to the veteran, Nathan, but there's a decision to be made. I kind of understand that it's going to come sooner than later, um, which will be nice. It'll be. I know that there is a desire to get this storyline wrapped up within the team, so it's it's on a lot of minds here in Medicine Hat about who's going to be the two goaltenders on the roster this season. And um... The last time we talked, you kept on talking about uh, Shane Smith there, and he was number two on the most recent edition of the um, Plays of the Week. W- yep. WHL plays of, plays of the Week. Good hockey good hockey player, allegedly. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, Shane Smith keeps doing his thing. Uh, he's maybe cooled off the goal scoring a little bit. He had a really nice goal. That one that you mentioned, it was a shorthanded backhand goal against Seattle last Saturday. Um, yeah, he's just been steady Eddie. The Tigers right now have had a lot of success from up and down the lineup as of late. Ty- Captain Tyler McKenzie's on a five-game point streak, so you need love to see stuff like that. And It is just a balanced lineup right now, and it's a little different without McKenna, which is crazy to say because that is a 15-year-old, but he is that dynamic of a player that he changes how the Tigers have to approach their power play one how they construct their forward core and just moving forward. It is and like Gavin McKenna is going to play for Canada a lot going forward. If any, if this U17 performance and his WHL career so far is any indication, there's going to be periods of time where he won't be with the Tigers. They got to learn how to handle that. This is kind of the first taste of that. 
And I th think the one thing that sticks out to me about, uh, like, McKenna, like, when you watch a guy like Bedard play, he was very much a shoot-first mentality. But McKenna's a sure McKenna will, will shoot and get his fair share of goals, I'm sure, but he he's a little bit more balanced, and I think that helps even more at making the guys around him even better. So we'll, He's we'll... definitely... I've heard a lot of comparisons, and I don't like NHL comparisons because I'm not the smartest guy to try to do them, but from other people I've heard who are a lot smarter than me in hockey was that Nikita Kucherov is the first comparison for McKenna in that he does he can shoot and he can he can be that guy that way, but he can also dish the puck really well. And his hockey IQ and the way he can see the game is insane. It's many times when he scores or sets up a good goal, I just go, Gavin, what'd you see there? Because I didn't see it. So it's it's very fun to see what he can do and what he will do going forward. Just seems like just seems like he's got eyes in all directions, like a like a three sixty, uh, those three sixty cameras. Yeah, it that, does. Or he's like playing top down view NHL, like he just sees the whole ice at once. Good, good, good old uh, Child ninety four. Yeah, <laughs> like, with, with the with the eight bit graphics and everything. I know that's. I that loved game. when they brought ninety four in. Was it NHL fourteen? They had a throwback version. That was the first time I played NHL ninety four. Was in NHL fourteen. I'm. I couldn't say I don't play a ton of the NHL games. I'm more okay. of an MLB, I'm more of an MLB the Show guy than I am, and a child guy, just because I follow follow baseball a lot more closely than I do the the National Hockey League. For me, if I'm following hockey, it's following the Western Hockey League. And then, honestly, sometimes the last thing I want to do is cover hockey and then go home. <laughs> turn on the TV and watch a hockey game. That's just I get a, little, it. a little much. I know some some guys will will watch a ton of hockey and then still watch the National Hockey League, but that's just uh, a little little heavy on the hockey for me. Fair enough. But yeah, the Tigers here, uh, it's been a decent stretch. Like I said, 5-1 or 3-1-1 one one in the homestand. They'll wrap up this three and three weekends in Edmonton Sunday, and then they get some time off here before heading to uh, Moostria Friday, and then they welcome for the first time ever the Wenatchee Wild on Saturday Remembrance Day. So a nice, yeah. it's getting back to the two games a week for the Tigers, which is kind of a nice welcome after the BC road trip and then a five game homestand. And just to, to let people know, if, like, as of. As of recording, it is November the 5th, so they're in Edmonton on the day of recording against uh, the Oil Kings. You'll know that result by the time this podcast goes live. And then, of course, you mentioned Mo I'll just read off the schedule for the remainder of November here. <coughs> so they're at Edmonton, November 5th, at Moose Jaw, November 10th, home versus Wenatchee on Remembrance Day, November the 11th. They are at the Innovation Plex in Swift Current on November the 14th. They're at Westoba Place in Brandon on November the 18th. They welcome the Regina Pats to co-op place on the 22nd. The Brandon Wheat Kings to co-op place on November the 25th. And then back to the Innovation Plex on November the 29th. And if 
those two games at the Innovation Plex are anything similar to the game that they played there earlier this season, those are going to be wild <laughs> hockey games. I don't think the Tigers will score 10 goals in back-to-back games against Swift Current uh, this time around, but that would be wild. Those preseason games were something else. And, and that's where they came back from two separate three-goal deficits in the same game to come back and win. Yeah, that was... Oh, yeah, that wasn't even preseason. You're right. No, that was regular season. Oh, my goodness. That was... Between that one and last Friday, Edmonton... Against Edmonton, Tigers trailed 4 nothing after the first period and then came back and won... What was it? It was 7-4, I believe, or 6-4. Yeah, seven, seven, four. Four, yeah. Yeah, it's hey, no lead is safe with this Tigers team. That's something they've shown, and they kind of pride themselves on that they can make any kind of comeback needed. They like they they would be one of the more fast, more skilled teams in in the Western Hockey League this season, and that's uh, part of the reason is that if you give some of these guys just a little bit too much space, you give a Caden Lindstrom, uh, Shane Smith, Mackenzie Weisblatt. McKenna, list goes on and on. You give those guys a little bit too much space, they're gonna make they're gonna capitalize on it. So they're a team that like if you have a lead against the Tigers, you can't play the style of hockey of well, we'll sit back and we'll weather the storm for the last five minutes or the last however many minutes because they there's just too much firepower. They will eventually find the back of the net. So you have to almost like play defense by playing offense and be up on the puck. So it, I think some teams have realized that, but it'll be interesting to see how the Tigers weather that storm, but also continue to uh, just make comeback efforts. I was talking post game with, and I think this quote is relevant from a lot of teams in the Western hockey league. Cause I was talking post game availability here on Thursday Thursday night, Jeff Truett delegated that to uh, Keaton Ellerby, and he came and talked uh, post game. And when his quote was essentially to the lines of uh, talking about the Blades specifically, and Prince George too, and I asked him about the Cougars uh, that they were playing on Saturday. Here is that uh, their team that he's basically said about Saskatoon. They're they're a very fast, skilled team. They don't like to play a lot of defense. They like to. We have to make sure that uh, he basically said that they have to make sure that they play a a, a structured game defense defensively and play the puck possession game. Yeah, because I don't disagree. That's a really good blade team. Because because with their top line, like I know we're going on, on left field talking about the blades here, but uh, that also I think applies to. To medicine hat as well. If you're if you're if you have a one goal lead in the third period against the Tigers, you have to make sure that you play the puck possession game to make sure you don't have too many pucks on the tape of Gavin McKenna, Shane Smith, whoever, right? Yeah. But I think that yeah. will go ahead. But I think that'll pretty unless there's something you wanted to hammer home here, James. I think that'll do that'll do with the first segment of today's episode, and we'll be back. Was there anything else you wanted to... Nope. I think we should tear up uh, for Marty and Nolan here. Yeah, so we'll be back in a moment. We'll have the n- new play-by-play voice of the Prince Albert Raiders, Nolan Cole, join the 
joining the program along with Martin Ring, who's been a longtime color commentator at Prince Albert Raider Home Games. So we will be back in a moment on the Two Paper Guys podcast. You're listening to the Two Paper Guys podcast. Don't miss a story from James Tubb by visiting MedicineHatNews.com and don't miss a story from Nathan Reiner by visiting paherald.sk.ca. Welcome back to the second part of episode 10 of the Two Paper Guys podcast. Nathan Ryder, James Tubb with you. Happy to be joined by the new play-by-play voice of the Prince Albert Raiders, Nolan Cole, and longtime Raider color commentator on radio broadcast, Martin Ring. Just How are, you, how are both you gentlemen doing this morning? Go ahead, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing great. It's a. Uh, it's a nice Sunday morning. I get three weeks off now, but Nolan's going to be heading out on the road, obviously. So it's uh, going to be a busy, busy couple of weeks for Nolan for sure. But it's going to be a little quieter for myself. Yeah, and I'm just uh, like Marty said, just recharging here. It's first day off in a while, so starting to pack this afternoon, hopefully too, and. Uh, you know, really looking forward to to the American trip coming up. I've heard nothing but great things about those rinks and the environments down there. So looking forward to it. And it's obviously a big road trip uh, for the team, as I'm sure we'll get into. And Bes- go ahead. Besides James. all the work stuff, uh, knowing all the stuff you need to do broadcast, what's the one thing you can't go without that you have to pack for this road trip? What's the that one crucial thing? The tie line. Oh man. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess from a practical technical perspective, it would be all the equipment. And last night we had to get off the stage in a hurry. As Nathan knows, I had to put all the stuff away in a hurry. So I got to reorganize that today too, but yeah, definitely the equipment. And then I guess just for my own stuff, uh, James, uh, just the dress clothes, like, um, for me, I'm I like ties don't take up much room in my bag. So I'll probably have a different tie for every game, but I think I'm only going to do the one sport coat and then a few different dress shirts. Uh, I don't have the biggest bag, so I got to I gotta pack uh, efficiently. That's a veteran packer. I like it. All right. <laughs> there you go. And at this point in the season, the Prince Albert Raiders sitting with a, with a record of 9-8-0-1, tied with a bunch of like three other teams with 19 points and sixth place in the conference if you look at the – standings on the WHL website just kind of how do you guys evaluate the, the Raiders season to this point so far I can jump in first I guess uh you know I I think it's kind of going as expected um you know from different interviews that we have done with the coaching staff and and such uh, uh you know I I think they're still looking for some consistencies but overall uh I think they're pretty they're pretty comfortable and and uh and pretty happy where where the team is situated right now. We knew that this conference was going to be interesting in the fact that there wasn't going to be probably any team that was going to just jump up and run away with things, you know. So everybody's kind of keeping in touch of each other, in particular in the, in this Eastern Division, uh, you know. And then when you get the the conference as a whole, you know, then you bring into play some of the other some of the other players like Lethbridge and Medicine Hat where I think the expectations for those clubs are probably a little bit higher just given the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with, with that Marty. And, um, 
you know, I think this team is in, and Jeff Truitt's touched on this with us. This team is in a lot better position this year than they were last year at this time. They got off to a slow start last year and it ended up costing them. And, and this year they've been uh, above 500 pretty well, uh, pretty well all year. And just looking back over the last month and a half. So they are in a good spot. Um, I think they've won. I look back a couple big wins on the road. Like you look at that game in Moose Jaw that they won uh, three and three on that weekend, very tough schedule that week. And they were able to get a win in Moose Jaw. And then obviously the American trip was a great trip. And then the the game in Regina just this past week, I thought was an excellent road game for the team to pick up a big two points there in regulation against a division rival. So, you know, I think historically you guys would know this better than me. They're always going to be good here at home at the Art Hauser Center. It's not an easy place for visiting teams to come into just because it's such a different rink and environment and atmosphere. Um, so, you know, I think most people expect them to be very good at home this year and, and they have a winning record at home here too, although they've lost a couple of late here at home, but they've picked up a couple big wins on the road looking back too. And I think that's a big reason why they are where they are. They're right in the thick of it in terms of the playoff race in the Eastern conference, a game above 500 right now. And uh, you know, I think this road trip coming up is going to be a, a big test for them. But as Marty said, I think this team is about where they expected to be. And I think the fans would be pretty pleased with what they've seen through the first month and a half. And I think the one thing that stood out to me is that I coming into this year, we knew that kind of after how they played together last year, that uh, that Richie Oring static line was good, was money towards the end of last year. It, I think it's been a pleasant surprise to see how well that line has clicked at the start of this this season as well well and i think the other part in that is uh you know i mean Ryder richie obviously is having a he's had a great start to the season and uh living living up to the expectations and that's not always an easy thing to do there's a little bit of pressure on this young man uh you know his name's getting getting kicked around uh you know with nhl drafts and and you know these mock drafts and stuff already so uh you know it's uh it's part of the chore, I, I guess, or part of the task of the coaching staff to to keep him grounded. And I think he's done a really, really good job that way. Uh, we just saw two these last two games. I mean, Saskatoon was in here on on Thursday, and then Prince George in here last night. Two of the biggest nights that I've seen for NHL scouts in the building. And uh, one of those reasons is number one, Saskatoon. They've got a very solid hockey club. Prince George, we only get to see them once every two years. But there's also, that was kind of the measuring stick for Ryder Ritchie. How is he going to play against a couple of these teams? Uh, Saskatoon plays a, a totally different style as, as far as I was concerned versus Prince George. Prince George, they were, they're a run and gun. They, they'll, they'll go toe-to-toe with you and they'll, they'll score goals. They're going to have some, some goals go in. But they didn't. They didn't allow any goals last night. So I mean, they really tightened things up defensively last night. But you know, it, it's part of the measuring stick for for uh, for Ryder Ritchie. Um, you know, but I, I think he's really lived up to the billing quite well in his second season. Yeah, and just to, to illustrate that point you said about the sc- the scout room, I'll give you yeah. perspective on Thursday night when I w- I walked into that room to go sign the sheet. There were thirteen names on that sheet. One was Les Lazaric, one was me. The rest were <laughs> NHL scouts, and there were still more showing up as I was leaving the room. That that just give you gives you a perspective of how many NHL scouts were in the building that night. Yeah, it was the only game on the schedule that night as well. It, and and, and we, if we could touch on it, 
it's been a bit of a wonky schedule in the fact that, you know, I mean, we had a really tough weekend with, with three games and three nights, uh, a road trip squeezed in the middle of it to Moose Jaw. And then, uh, you know, we, we had a weekend where we played at home on Saturday night and then we're into Moose Jaw for a two o'clock start on Sunday afternoon. Um, a Thursday night game, first Thursday night game we've had in six years. Um, yeah, it's just really been kind of strange. And, and now <laughs> we're going to have the longest road trip of the season uh, coming up, uh, you know, and uh, it, I, it's, it's exciting. Uh, you know, it was fun to, to have uh, a couple of games where we could talk to, in particular, a couple of the younger players about the road trip coming up. And you can just see how excited the young players are uh, venturing out onto onto the road because it's it's going to be interesting for them. Yeah, and anything else that uh, you would like to bring up about, about the season at this point, Nolan or James? Well, I would just say I would just add to that schedule point that Marty made. Um, you know, when you look back at it, it you know. A couple of their losses, I think, and I'm not using the schedule as an excuse because you know everyone goes into every game wanting to win. But boy, that that's tough when when you got to play three games in three nights. I I didn't expect them to win the first game against Saskatoon, Marty, on that weekend after playing really well the first two games, and that was really tough. The third one, when Saskatoon, I think, was a little more well rested, and then again, you know, the Blades hadn't played since Saturday this past week, and and you know we traveled to Regina, we got back at two a.m. And, that's a really tough ask to get up for another game that next night. And, and so, you know, there's a couple of games that I really didn't expect them to win given the schedule. And when the schedule has been spaced out, they've been playing, you know, pretty good winning hockey of late. So um, I think that'll even out as, as it goes along here, because uh, that has been tough at times. I'm sure every team deals with it. Yes. This road trip's very long, but it is spaced out in the sense that, you know, it's not a ton of back-to-backs. It's not a ton of travel in between the games. Um, you know, they get a Sunday, Monday off before the Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the fall, the last weekend of the trips a Friday, Sunday. So you get Saturday off in between. So it's not super packed in and compact. So hopefully that bodes well for this team uh, when they head out on the road. Well, I kind of remember, I think it was Saskatoon was like poking fun at the schedule or it was one of the teams that you guys faced on those back-to-backs was just kind of like, man, Prince Albert, good luck with that schedule. It's uh it, I think league wide, it's been kind of surprising the schedule. Like I think every team played a three and three this weekend or or close to it, didn't they? There was a, a lot of hockey for some teams this weekend, but I think yeah. this, this year I think is kind of I'll call it the growing pains year just because of how the timing of the move of Winnipeg to Wenatchee they had to scrabble last minute because when I had talked to. Michael Sissons, I think he said that when the move was announced, the schedule was probably three quarters done, if not more complete by the time that move was announced. And they had to basically change a lot of things on the fly. So that's kind of a result of that, I think. And that that's a great point, uh, Nathan, is the fact that Wenatchee did move so late uh, in the year. And, uh, and I think that's why, you know, you, you see, you know, we, we had that, that Wednesday, Thursday tilt this week, uh, you know, you're on the road to Regina, come home, and then you're you're playing Saskatoon on a Thursday. I know we've got another Thursday game looking ahead into the schedule. We've got another Thursday game in February. Uh, you're trying to balance things out as much as you can, even though it's not it's not quote unquote uh, a balanced schedule. 
because, you know, we're going to play Saskatoon 10 times. We're going to play Moose Jaw 10 times, but we're certainly not playing Medicine Hat or Lethbridge or any of those teams 10 times. I mean, that it's part of, part of what the league has done to try and control some of the costs when it comes to travel as well. And just one final note on the schedule, guys. We should point out too, Marty. It was the first three weeks weren't bad at all for this team. I mean, there it was yeah. spaced out. There was they had a, a lighter weekend, I recall. And so it wasn't until that three and three weekend came up. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they had the quick turnaround in Moose Jaw the next afternoon after playing Saturday night here. So the first three weeks were quote unquote normal. It's just in the last couple of weeks they've had this little awkward stretch that that has resulted in, I think, a couple losses. And and like I say, I think that'll even out throughout the course of the year again. Yeah. It doesn't and... take effect till next year. Sorry, Nathan. Um, what do you guys think about and how are you much are you looking forward to Swift Current being back in the East and just uh, keep adding that to, to the road trip and to the division slate? I think from a division perspective, I think it's it's I think it's great. You get all five you know, you get all the Saskatchewan teams into into the same division. Um, you know, I mean, we, if I was to, to look back in history, go back to 2018 uh, season when it was the Regina Pats hosting the Memorial Cup that year, uh, Swift Current and Moose Jaw were, uh, all three of those teams were, it was the juggernaut down in the south. I mean, nobody wanted to take that trip, that road trip down in the, in the south corner. But, you know, I think division-wise, I think it makes sense to bring Swift Current back into the fold. And then, of course, you've got Brandon by themselves out out in Manitoba, uh, you know, as part of that division. But I, I think it makes sense that Swift Current comes back into the into the division, um, even though uh, you know the whole playoff structure is is all built upon the entire conference now. Uh, but I think from a scheduling perspective, it's going to make more sense to have a few more games against Swift Current. And and the other point is is that uh, because we don't touch our clocks in Saskatchewan. That makes Swift Current the one awkward team, essentially in a different time zone in the central in the central division for a majority yes. of the season. Yeah, yeah, and and also just from an Alberta perspective, it probably makes sense too to have all the five Alberta teams just in their yep. own division in the central, and then you move Swift Current back to the to the SAS to the to the East SAS division. So from a geography perspective, I think it makes sense. I'm fortunate with Winnipeg leaving. It's Brandon's kind of on an island now, and I'm a Winnipegger, so soft spot there. But tough for Brandon now to – they got a tough travel schedule with, without having Winnipeg in the league anymore. It's it, They're kind of the outlier in the uh, East Division now. Well, and there there tends to be an outlier in uh, – you know, I mean, Brandon would is going to be – they were the outlier before. They're the outlier again coming up. Uh, you know, but, you know, Prince George, we were talking about it on the air last night. I mean, Prince George's travel schedule is absolutely bizarre. Um, you know, their closest trip, I think, is six or seven hours to wow. Kamloops. And, yeah. I mean, it's I, I cannot imagine uh, riding the bus. I'm, I'm not a good bus rider to begin with. Okay. I don't sleep. I, uh, you know, I did the playoff run back in 19 and. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I had to, I had to catch up on my sleep at the end of all that because it, it was wild. But I can't imagine that Prince George team and the and the hours that they that they have to spend on the bus. And those are. Mountain- you, if you look at that Cougar schedule, they probably have long, long home stands to make up for it. I would imagine if you if you were to take a look at their schedule. <laughs> well, they you would have to, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you're going to have to have uh, some some stands there where where you're at home for a couple of weeks. Uh, and Nathan, I, I heard you 
make mention, uh, those aren't easy roads for them to travel on. Those are the mountain yeah. roads, and you're you're going through the snow. I was kind of laughing at the at the coach's uh, pregame last night because he said, "Well, it's been pretty easy, you know. There hasn't been much snow." And it's like, "Are you kidding me? The snow that they've had to travel through out west, I can't imagine." Yeah, I, I I was talking to some people that were here with the Cougars, and they said like, some of those roads you need to have winter winter or studded tires and four wheel drive or good luck, is how it was put to me. <laughs> Or or good luck, but uh, I know you you had made mention before, and I'll I'll poorly segue into our next talking point here. But about the East Division as a whole this year, I think a few of those teams in the division have been above expectations. Partic- particularly, Regina has been a lot better than I thought they would be at this point in this season. But would from what you guys have seen from the East Division so far, would you say the East Division? is the best division in the Western Hockey League this season. Oh, Marty wants me to go first, <laughs> I guess. So. <laughs> well, here's what I'd say. Um, we've only seen – I've only seen one Western Conference team live this year, Nathan, and that was the, the Prince George Cougars last night, right? So I can't really comment on which conference is better based on the hockey I've seen. One thing I think that came clear yesterday – Marty and I think Keaton Ellerby alluded to this and some of the players on the post game show is that the Prince George Cougars employ a different style of play than many of the teams in the Eastern Conference. Seems like it's I think Ryder Ritchie mentioned maybe a little more structure in the teams that that you know the Raiders have played this year within their division and conference. And the Cougars, as Marty mentioned, very run and gun. Um, and whether that's a, a representation of the entire Western Conference, we'll find out more as we see these teams throughout the season. Um, but when you look at just the numbers, I mean, it's not a huge discrepancy. I mean, right now, Medicine Hat, 22 points, Swift Current, 17. That's the range from one to eight in, in the East. And then you look at Prince George, 24, uh, Kelowna, 15. So it, it's pretty well even in terms of the points distribution and the wins and losses. When you look at both conferences, there's not a whole lot of outliers there. Um, but I think the the one you know difference we saw again last night was was Prince George and, and the style of hockey that we saw a bit more run and gun than what we've seen. And I think we'll have a better idea of both conferences, which one is stronger, maybe come the midway point of the year. I'd, I'd agree a hundred percent with that, with that assessment. And, and the, I guess the other um, comment, and I made it through the broadcast last night, I didn't think Prince George played as physical. I, I think they, they really wanted to utilize the speed and they certainly have that speed. Um, you know, but it's certainly different. It's a different style of play than what we've seen out of, uh, you know, I mean, Moose Jaw is probably the closest, uh, you know, when I think of Fergus and, and, uh, and those guys when, when they get going. But um, I, I think the East Division probably plays more of that, do you want to call it old school? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's the more the rough and tumble. It's going to be the big body checks. Uh, you know, and, and it and it lends itself well to the style of players that the Prince Albert Raiders have on their lineup. When I think of a Terrell Goldsmith, I think of Justice Christensen. Uh, you know, these guys like to like to lay the body out. Uh, we've had lots of comments about Harrison Lodwick, Grady Martin, big bodies that like to go into the corner, bump and grind, and that tends to be the style I think of the East Division right now. But I would agree. I, I think it's a little early for us to to make a, uh, you know, a call as to which conference or which division 
is is the toughest. I think points wise, ours is the toughest from top to bottom because it's the tightest right now. And we could start to see a little bit of separation happen. And I do uh, feel go ahead, Nathan. And the whole reason I'm starting this conversation is that uh, like we published a, a column in, in the Herald in the last week here that was written by Darren Stanky. And he 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 was kind of already saying, is this going to be like that 2017, 2018 season that you mentioned earlier, Marty? Like, I don't know if it's going to be quite with those three jug juggernauts, but is it still going to be kind of that sort of World Cup moniker group of death division that uh, – no team will really want to travel out east to play a, to to do an East Division road trip kind of thing. I don't think it quite has that depth. Um, like when I think of those, when I think of those three teams that particular year, I'll tell you they made some trades and they made some movements that year that uh, nobody saw coming. And you know, and I and I think some of it was because Regina was hosting. Um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Swift Current. They were good, and then they became really good. But they sold out, and it's taken them four years, almost five years, to get themselves back into the picture with a team that you know perhaps can it can take a step into the playoffs. Moose Jaw, they kind of came into their own last year. It took them maybe one year less than Swift Current to get back on track. But all three of those teams, when you think of the of the moves and stuff that they made, it turned out really good for Regina. They hosted Memorial Cup. They made a couple of moves after the fact. And guess what? They had Connor Bedard for a couple of seasons. That didn't hurt them. That you can thank. Speak, speaking of some of those trades, that uh, pick that I know some people in Lethbridge aren't going to like me saying this, but that the Hurricanes had that pick that turned into Connor Bedard because that was that originally belonged to Swift Current. It was sent to Lethbridge as part of the Georgia Estefan Stewart Skinner trade that year, as part of, of the absolutely wild trade deadline that was that year that caused some significant changes in how the Western Hockey League operates. Yeah, there's no doubt, and uh, you know, I mean, we saw our own Prince Albert Raiders make some really nice moves last season. Uh, you know, when they moved Nolan Allen out to out to uh, Seattle and uh, you know, I mean, though that was a pretty solid move and, and the Raiders are going to pay dividends for that uh, even including this season, but, but more so going into next year and the year after. Cause you'll, you'll hopefully we'll see Ty Mounye who was used with, who was selected with one of those, the one of the first rounders from the Nolan Allen trade. The Raiders also have Seattle's 2024 selection, from that deal as well. And I think they have a healthy selection of mid-round picks that were also acquired as part of that uh, deal as well. I don't know if it's fair for you guys yet or if it's too early, but where do you think the uh, the Raiders fall in at this year's deadline? We saw last year they were movers, obviously, and brought in really good assets. But uh, going forward with where the East Division is and just where the playoffs are, uh, kind of how do you look at it for the Raiders coming up? Hmm. That's that's a great question. Um, you know what? I I'm I'm not sure that we're going to see any big big moves uh, this year. Uh, you know, Curtis Curtis Hunt has done a pretty good job uh, from what I've seen. I mean, a couple of our Euros have come in and have really played exceptional. Um, is that a bit of a surprise? Uh, maybe, but maybe not to to those that are in the know and and did some of the scouting to to get those kids here, but. Uh, you know, 
you've got that nucleus of Ryder, Ritchie, uh, Aiden Oring moving forward. Um, you know, we're in pretty good, pretty good shape with regards to our 20-year-olds. Maybe we're a little high on the number of 19-year-olds. We're starting to see a, a, a couple of moves there, but I don't see Prince Albert being in a in a sell kind of uh, territory this season. Yeah. I agree. I, I think they're they're very happy with this roster as it is right now. I mean, I think they believe this is a playoff team. And, you know, I know they talked a lot, you know, prior to the season starting about just the goal is to get back in the playoffs this year after missing last year. And I think I think they are happy with the lineup. Obviously, the, the Jacob Hoffroggy trade was, I think, significant yes. because he's added a, a, a another dimension to their defense core. He's played well with – he started with Terrell Goldsmith, and now I think he's moved around. He's played a little bit with others, Eric Johnston, I believe, too. But he's uh, been a great piece on the power play, too. He skates very well, a great kid, very well spoken. So I think if there's another opportunity to make a move like that that is a perfect fit for this team and and can bolster an area of, of their roster, they would make it. But, you know, I think that's a big move. And, and uh, I think just the way it stands right now with the three 20-year-olds and the tandem they have in net and – some of the depth that they have up front with some of the guys that have stepped up, Braden Doobie's kind of stepped up to provide some of the secondary scoring from that top line. I think they are pretty content um, with this roster right now. Maybe if it was one move, maybe they do add another forward, Marty. You can, you know, provide a little more offense, but uh, I don't think we're going to see any major moves from this team. So yeah. we should cool the Connor Geeky, Matt Savoy, Zach Benson trades, trade talks. <laughs> <laughs> at, le at least at least to prince albert i would be absolutely i would be frankly shocked if curtis moves either of the first rounders that prince albert possesses in the 2024 draft like if i think a move's being made i know that they have a surplus of third rounders i could see curtis maybe moving at most a, a third but i don't think he's going to move anything in the first two rounds Fair enough. Marty, you, I just, while we're on it, you've obviously seen some really good hockey here in Prince Albert and obviously getting to call that 2019 championship. Where does this team not stack up against that team? That's unfair. But where is this team on the progression with that team? You know, a team takes junior teams years to get to that championship level. Where's what year is the 2023 Raiders at on that progression level? I, I think this 2023 team is probably, I'm going to say, I, I think 24 is going to be a great season. I think 25 is where you're really going to see the, the, the cream really come to the top. And, and that, you know, that's taking into account. Uh, we had some of those first rounders in camp this fall. Uh, you know, they're progressing along really, really well. Um, definitely to get yourself into that championship run, there's going to be some moves, but I, and, and it goes back to, I don't think, I don't think there's a panic to to make some moves in particular this season. I think next year you start to see some things get ramped up to to lead you into that 2025. Um, you know that the Raiders are they're an interesting franchise in the fact that it it is a smaller franchise. Our crowds have been excellent. We had a great crowd last night, 2500. Now some people might say, "Well, 2500, that's that's not great." Well, you know what? That's that, that's running your arena at uh, at 80% or almost 90% capacity. So, you know, that's that's a good crowd uh, for the Art Hauser Center. Um, 
you know, so the Raiders, they are always conscious that they that they want to have a product that's going to bring people in, that's going to have people come into the games, uh, because in the end, you have to have some you have to have some funding, you have to have some revenue coming in. So they're always conscious of that. Um, and then uh, you, you start looking and you start aligning yourselves. I mean, obviously, that 2019 uh, season, that's the freshest one in, in our minds. Uh, that team was extremely special, but in looking at it, there was some, there was some pretty, there was two significant moves that were made that made that team the success that it is. Actually, three. You go back the Braden Pahal trade, bringing him in for almost nothing from Victoria Cougars. Uh, that was a fantastic trade on Curtis Hunt's part. Uh, then he made the off-season deal that saw Noah Gregor come in. Noah Gregor ended up being an absolute stud. And I, I don't think that there was people that believed he was coming back to play in the Western Hockey League as a 20-year-old. And Curtis Hunt took that one as a bit of a flyer. Maybe he had the inside scoop on it that, you know what, you guys get him. We know he's going to play. We know that he's going to get a ton of ice time, and it's going to be good for him. And, and he ended up obviously being a, a key component to that club. And then there was the late acquisition of Dante Hanoon. And, uh, you know, that really put the team over the top. And I don't have to say a whole lot about the final goal that he scores to, to send them into the league championship, uh, you know, uh, winning, winning the league championship in overtime. So, um, you know, it's, it's always interesting dynamics. You look around, um, like I say, Swift Current, it's, it's been a struggle for them. They, they sold out a lot. Uh, and it cost them a lot, uh, you know, three or four seasons where they're at the bottom. Edmonton Oil Kings are going through a bit of a slide right now. They had a really tough year last year, a little bit better this year. The team that's surprising me <clears throat> out of everybody, and we're going we're gonna to get into some of this when we get into talking about the U.S. road trip, is Seattle. Seattle is actually playing pretty good, and they're a team I think everybody thought, you know what, their shelves are empty. But, uh, you know, they, they've kind of come around. They've done a pretty good job. Awesome. And I guess before we get into the talk about the U.S. road trip, let's talk just specific players on, the, on this Raiders hockey club. Has there been anybody that's been a huge – that sticks out as a huge surprise, to, to at least to your expectations, coming into this season? Nolan, I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, you've talked a lot, Marty. <laughs> well, I, you know, I already mentioned one of them, um, you know, Braden Doobie to me. And again, I came into this season with kind of fresh eyes, not being here last year. So it's kind of an even keel for me looking at these guys. And and Braden Doobie's a guy who I think has, has taken another step this year, just talking to Jeff Truitt. He's, you know, starting to put the puck in the net. He's versatile. He's been on, he can play with a number of different players on this roster. So I, I think Doobie has been a, a bit of a pleasant surprise or maybe from the coaching staff, they had the expectations that he would uh, take another step this year. So um, I, I think you, you look to him. Uh, Oli Shenye to me has been a, a nice little story so far. He's been in and out of the lineup, but last week or so he's been on a line with Kubiesa and Martin and that line has been pretty good. Uh, Jeff Truitt kept them together for a couple games. Um, I think back to the game in uh, Regina, I thought Chen Yu and his line were, were excellent in that game. So he's a young guy that, um, you know, I think has, has, you know, impressed the coaching staff at times this year. And then how about Max Hildebrandt? I know some of the in interviews I did prior to the season starting, 
uh, you know, I was asked about the goaltending situation and, and I guess it was you, Nathan, and others have pointed out to me that, you know, Hildebrandt's a pretty good goaltender prior to the season starting. A lot of people thought it was going to be Chase Coward's net to lose and he was going to play the majority of the games. And that hasn't happened. I mean, if you take away the injury to Hildebrandt, they're probably an even split right now. And I think the coaching staff really likes that 1A, 1B back and forth. They're kind of running them both right now. And if one gets hot, they'll ride with him. I think Hildebrandt was getting on one of those hot streaks right before that unfortunate injury that kept him out of the lineup for a couple of weeks. But I think when you look at this roster, especially from an outsider perspective, I think Hildebrandt would be a surprise to many people across the league who really thought Chase Coward was going to be the bona fide starter on this team. Yeah, I know for me that was – sorry, Martin. I know for me that was my biggest question for this team was – that goaltending it was for two seasons it was Tikon Chaika and whoever else was the backup and he Chaika obviously really dominated the net and then this season coming in a really good addition of Chase Coward but it has been interesting to see how they've ran that tandem we saw it work for Saskatoon perfectly last season and I think it's something that the Raiders are looking to mimic here it seems like so far and if you can do that it works and I think these are two guys that uh Obviously, Coward trying to prove himself in a 20 season, and Hildebrand, I don't know, is eight, I think he's 18, but 19. Uh, or 19. So both guys trying to prove themselves, and uh, they seem to be working well together so far. Oh, great, great points with regards to the goaltending. Um, you know, when when I think of uh, is is there surprises? Uh, I I don't disagree. I, I you know Doobie has been very good. Another player to me that has really stood out has been Nile Crocker. I think he's had a great season as well. Uh, you know, been given some different opportunities. Uh, played a little bit more on the on the power play, probably maybe even more than what he expected. Um, Hayden Pakala has has been really good, and Grady Martin is is another one that I think you know we we forget their ages. Uh, you know, we forget that these are these are still young players, um, you know, and, and uh, just going back, just kind of one step thinking of what the Raiders had back in 2020 when the season got shut down and they were on a run and they had they had uh, Paddock as a goaltender. And I mean, you know, so the Raiders were into into a probably probably going to get into the East division championship, if not get another second run in a row at the league championship that particular year. So it's been strange. And, you know, so there's had, they've been forced to make some moves, but some of these players that they brought in that we've touched on uh, since that point um, have really, uh, they've, they've stepped up to the billing. Um, but now, now Crocker would probably be the biggest surprise for me. Um, the, the two names I was going to bring up were both the imports were Christoph Matches and Matej Kubieza, I think have both been very pleasant surprises. I know Matches are, are obviously comes in as, as a 19 year old. I don't know if you had maybe a little bit higher expectations for him than a, than a Kubiesa being only a 17 year old this season. But I think both of those have brought different elements to the, to the Raider lineup that I feel is neat and just makes that forward core even deeper than it was uh, at the end of last year when we didn't have any euros in that, in that forward quarter start. Great, great point. And I think, uh, you know, the comment that we heard from Kubiesa on, on the, on the show, the post game show the other night was, uh, was pretty important as well. Uh, you know, one of his biggest adjustments coming over and playing on the smaller ice surface. And I think both of them have adjusted to it really well. 
uh, especially considering the Art Hauser seems like an even smaller ice surface than anywhere else. And yet, you know, I mean, there it's pretty much the same, but <laughs> it does have that feeling where everybody's on top of you. It's a lot more of an intimate venue than a lot of other buildings in the Western Hockey League. Because you, you stand at the top of the seating bowl at the Hauser, you're probably <laughs> middle of the seating bowl at any other barn, barn yes. in the league. And yeah. the other thing about Kubias that I've noticed, especially recently, is that he's... Ever since he got, was a part of that whole uh, line brawl extra, extracurricular activity there with the Swift Current Broncos, <laughs> I've just seen him be a lot more physical of a player since then. He's really embraced the the physicality that that the Western Hockey League presents since that particular moment. I've seen, I've noticed that a lot more in his game. He's a lot more willing to throw throw the body around since then. They also did a great job taste testing Canadian snacks. That was. An unreal video <laughs> from the Raiders. <laughs> can't can't believe that guy doesn't like ketchup or mustard. But uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on to the <laughs> to to the main point we were going to talk about the on this episode was uh, the Raiders U.S. Division road trip. All to the schedule for you for our listeners in Saskatchewan because of daylight saving time. All the games that are happening in the states with the exception of the game in Wenatchee, will start at 9 p.m. Saskatchewan time. And the Lethbridge game on Wednesday the 8th, that starts at 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. I I believe that Wenatchee game is like a 6 Pacific start, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be uh, 8 o'clock Saskatchewan time on that, on that Sunday. But uh, yeah, they start in Lethbridge this Wednesday the 8th, Spokane... Friday the 10th, Remembrance Day in Tri-City. Uh, Tuesday night, the 14th in Seattle. Wednesday the 15th in Everett. Friday the 17th in Portland. And then they close things out in Wenatchee on the 19th of November. So kind of, I guess we'll we'll talk about, start with you, Nolan. What are you looking forward to the most about the upcoming road trip? Uh, well, for me, just to be selfish first, I guess, just, just seeing some of these... Uh, nice American locations. I've heard great things about Spokane and, and Everett I've heard is a nice city. So I'm really looking forward to seeing some new scenery and just taking, taking it all in. We've got a couple off days, so who knows what activities we have planned. I've been talking about maybe going to the Seattle Kraken game, but we'll see if we can pull that off. I know the Seahawks play when we're there too, but I, I, I don't know if we can make that work with our travel. So away from the hockey, looking at, obviously excited to see some of the, the, the a spot of North America that I've never been to. I've been to BC, but never to uh, Washington state. So, and Oregon as well. Right. So looking forward to that. Um, obviously the rinks too, looking forward to seeing those. And, and, and then, you know, I think I just, the road trip from a hockey perspective guys for this team, because I mean, they're a game above 500 right now. And, I know Marty, we asked Keaton Ellerby about this last night and he wasn't really biting about what would be a successful road trip for this group. Um, but, you know, I think if they could go 500, I mean, you know, it keeps them in the thick of it in the Eastern Conference, right? Uh, you know, 500 or better would be an excellent road trip for this team. I think historically it's been hard for Eastern teams to go down on this trip. We saw Brandon go down first and they didn't have a whole lot of success. So, you know, I, I just, if this team could go 500, I think it's... I think it's mission accomplished. And, you know, 
you know, none of us want to see this, but if they go down and struggle and only win one or two games, I mean, they're probably coming back to Canada out of the playoff spot with how close it is right now in the Eastern Conference. So I think this team's had a good start to the year. And I, I really think they need to have a solid road trip to stay where they are because they put a lot of work in over the first couple of months to be in a playoff spot right now. And and I'm looking forward to to seeing how they stack up against some of these teams. And the other thing I'll add is just the unpredictability of these games. Whenever these interconference games happen, they don't see each other a whole lot and they can be a little more unpredictable and maybe even a little more entertaining when these two teams are unfamiliar with each other. So curious to see how the Raiders stack up against some of these teams that they haven't seen yet this year. Uh, I remember like last year with this was, I think this game was, Nolan Allen was still on the team at the time. So this was still relatively early in the season. I just remember it was at the Hauser. It was a absolute barn burner. It was, 1.4-0 Prince Albert. The Tri-City Americans came back and tied that hockey game at four. And I believe the Raiders scored the game winner about two minutes into the third period, courtesy of Landon Kosher. So there's some crazy hockey games that, that happen when the when these two two conferences play. And it's just a and playing on the road. You just got to be a good, good road team and take your lumps here and there. But uh, just keep your head keep your head up and focus on the task at hand here well i'm going to show my age and i'm going to uh you know i i go back to uh i traveled with the hockey club back in the 84 85 season and and, and that particular year you did the entire bc and american swing all in one shot we were on the road for two and a half weeks and uh obviously a very very special team that year as well uh that particular road trip they went undefeated until the last game and they lost in overtime in Kamloops and uh, all I remember was Terry Simpson coming onto the bus after and when I say that it's because he couldn't be in the building that night because he had a suspension from a game that happened in Portland um, and he walked onto the bus and it was what the heck happened like he was he was mad because they they lost that last game on that road trip but um, now to get back to today um, to me, it's, it's going to be, and Nolan, I would, I would put this to you riding on the bus, watching how the young guys take it all in, because some of these guys, just like yourself, maybe they haven't traveled down into that part of the world before, or it might be, it might even be their first trip through the mountains. And, you know, it's, it, it's exciting stuff. And, uh, and it's, and it's, it's exciting because in some cases, you know, we forget that these are still, they're still kids, 16, 17, 18 year old kids that are, are living their best years. And, uh, you know, it, this is an exciting trip for them. I'm excited for them because I, I know what those buildings can be like. And, uh, and I, I as well, um, I, I really hope the Raiders can have a very successful road trip because I think if they don't have the success, they could be behind the eight ball when they come back. But I think the timing of this trip couldn't be better for them. And, and especially given the start that they've had this year, it's a little different way. If you're jumping on that bus and you've been struggling and, and things aren't going your way, uh, that is a really tough, tough trip to head out on. But when you've had some, some early success and you've, and you've had some success on the road. So, that, you know, this is a team that they're not afraid to win on the road. And, uh, you know, so, so now that opportunity is there where they can 
perhaps make a little bit of hay when they're when they're down in in that in that state's uh, state's venture. Um, but it is it's exciting. Um, I I I know how the coaching staff is going to be working with the players. Uh, it, it's a it's a long road trip. You're not always going to get along. Uh, you know, and you have to find ways to work through it. And, and uh, you know, you, you have to eliminate getting into clicks with the team. And Jeff Truitt does a masterful job when they're on the road to make sure that guys are mixed up when they go to, when they go to eat their meals. You're not always sitting with the same guys all the time. And that's an important piece of it as, as well. And my hat's off to Puff Bartley because he's got the unenviable task of trying to pack things up for a full two week or two and a half week road trip and have all the equipment and everything that he needs. He's a, he's a veteran. He's a veteran though. He's done it many times before. He, he has. It's still a challenge though. <laughs> when so, you had to go through both divisions, Mark, how many like how many pack pairs of underwear do you pack? Or just like <laughs> that's a long trip. That was it. Was a long trip. I mean, that and that was my first radio gig. I was working with Morley Jagger on on that trip, so that was my first time doing color. That was a long time ago, but uh, it was so much fun. Uh, you know, we're going to have the opportunity uh, in three weeks. Three weeks from yesterday, Dan Hodgson is going to be back at the Art Hauser Center, formerly the Communiplex that it was known at when Dan played here. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. Dan Hodgson is going to be in the building, the captain from that 84-85 Memorial Cup team, and uh, his sweater uh, jersey number 16 going to be put up into the rafters next to Mike Medano and Dave Manson. And you had mentioned before about uh, that Terry Simpson was suspended for that incident in Portland during that road trip, Marty? Yep. That game in Portland is still the franchise record for most penalty minutes in one game. Absolutely wild. Wild. And that was in the older Portland arena. Um, I, rem I remember the, the press box for, for doing radio was kind of halfway in. It was almost, you're almost sitting in the stands. So, I mean, we were surrounded by, by Portland Winterhawks fans and, and uh, I got called over to go and do a, a little bit of an interview on Portland radio while they were trying to sort things out. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was obviously it was a full on scale, all out brawl. Every player from both teams was involved. It took forever for them to get things sorted out. Um, hockey fans back then were a little new to the sport trying to understand what exactly had taken place <laughs> and uh but yeah it it was wild and uh yeah so terry simpson ended up with a suspension after that and marty it's mm. funny how that how that happens sometimes with teams you don't see often yes. right? like once a year and then all of a sudden it boils over you would think you'd get sick of a team that you see six eight ten times <laughs> in that case you're, you're seeing them once and it just the stars align for something like that to happen yeah, very true. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, some of some of our players from this season, they're going to know some players in each one of these. It, uh, the, the hockey world is small, right? And, uh, you know, so there there's going to be some friendships there that guys haven't seen each other for a couple of years, perhaps. Uh, you know, so, uh, but to your point, you expect, you expect stuff like that to happen, like Saskatoon and PA. When you play 10 times, something's going to boil over, you would expect. But, but yeah, you all of a sudden you get into this one game 
out of the you know completely out of the loop and all of a sudden something something sparks but uh yeah it can be fun part, part I don't know of the... if that's because you won't see them again or like because yeah. you, between Saskatoon and PA we're going to see them next week maybe I don't really want to fight this guy right now because we'll have to do it again next week or or is Everett? Oh, we'll see him next year. Won't even have to worry about it then. I don't know if that plays into it or not, but it seems like it. It, it that might play into it. I think uh, you know. There's also the repercussions. You're going to have a playoff. Uh, perhaps you're, you're going to meet in the playoffs, and you're going to get another opportunity to get your lick in at that point. But uh, yeah, uh, it that might be part of it. Yeah, like it, I think in the 2019. Championship series, I believe the Raiders and Giants did play each other during the regular season in in Vancouver. So I don't know if there's any extracurriculars in that game, but that that that's could also be another storyline into the final if there was something like a crazy game happened between those teams earlier in the season and they meet each other again in the final. I think that would make people even more excited for a theor- uh, theoretical final matchup. Just one last point, guys. Just about this road trip, we were talking about the American teams. I. Let's not overlook the Lethbridge Hurricanes because that's the first game on the trip before we head south of the border, and that's a very good hockey team so far. I think that's an important game. If you could win that first game in Lethbridge, I think it'll uh, give them a lot of confidence going into Spokane and Tri-City on the weekend. So if they can get off to the right foot still in Canada, I think that Lethbridge game is, is, is big. Well, the double whammy there is that it, it plays into your into your conference standings as well a lot more, right? All of a sudden, you're you're knocking off a team that's within your within the conference, and uh, uh, you know it's a little different when you're playing when you're playing outside of the conference. So it doesn't have as big an impact, but a loss to Lethbridge that could have a big impact or Im- big implications down the road. No one with the perfect hockey answer. Well, we got games in the future. We got to worry about the one right in front of us. <laughs> and and that winning winning a game in the Edmac Center was a task the Raiders were unable to accomplish a game a year ago. Considering, like you look at that Lethbridge Hurricanes team, I I I joke around. You 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 go to the roller coaster at the at the amusement park. It says you have to be this tall to ride this ride. In Lethbridge, you have to be six two to be on their blue line unless you're an offensive defenseman. <laughs> That's that's just the way the, the Hurricanes. It's weird because they they have a lot of smaller skill guys in their forward court, but they're blue line with guys like Joe Arns and Noah Chadwick. I'm not going to get him confused with his brother, but uh, they have a ton of size on that blue line. Yeah, it's a good Lethbridge team. They came in here in Medicine Hat Friday and beat them in mm. overtime, and it's. Uh... Yeah, they're they kind of play like how Red Deer used to, or Red Deer has the last couple seasons, I should say, and it'll be a that's a good way to set the tone to start the road trip, as you mentioned, Nolan. And then obviously there's going to be some exciting talent on these teams that uh, you'll only get to see once a year, like Saskatchewan products like Berkeley Catton on the Spokane Chiefs. There, um, guy like Jordan Jordan Gavin, Lucas Dragasevic on on Tri City, like guy like Grayson Sachin who was uh drafted this past year on the on Seattle Everett's always always talented and then of course Prince Albert product and Winterhawk captain Gabe Klassen so there's on that uh, Portland team so it's always exciting to see this this talent you only get a chance to see once a year yeah, Gabe Gabe Clawson to me is going to be one of the interesting guys. Uh, he, you know, Portland was in here last year. It was a very exciting, uh, 
uh, game for him and and his family and such. Uh, you know, to have the opportunity to to see Gabe play play for Portland uh, right here on on the Art Hauser Center ice. But uh, you know, Gabe Gabe is a great young man, and uh, there's a a great interview opportunity there for you, Nolan, to try and tap into Gabe and um, kind of the inside track there is uh, Josh Morrissey billeted uh, with the Clausens when Josh Morrissey played for the Raiders. So there's a, a pretty interesting connection there. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it that's is from an outsider's area. view. Sorry, Nathan. Um, I'm interested to see Spokane and Prince Albert, see Berkeley Cotton and Ryder Ritchie go head to head. Two draft eligible guys, same year, two guys that have played for Canada at the same time. I wonder how kind of if they rise to the uh, occasion, I guess, and try to go head to head or what that matchup will be like. Well, I think the other interesting part, James, is uh, is the fact that, you know, we talked about the number of scouts that were in the building last night with Prince George being here. Well, it's now it's the same scenario for the Prince Albert Raiders. You go onto the road, you're out in the West. Uh, there's scouts out there. This is going to be their one and only time to see the Prince Albert Raiders play. So there's going to be lots of scouts following uh, following this Raider road trip. And uh, and a lot of it is to see how Ryder Ritchie performs. And it's going to see how Ryder Ritchie performs against some of these aforementioned, uh, you know, stars out in uh, in that U.S. division uh, amongst some of the others. Some of the other players are starting to get some 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 notice uh, from this Prince Albert Raider hockey team as well, and we can't forget that. And it all begins Wednesday night in Lethbridge. But before we wrap wrap things up here, is there any other other points or discussions that uh, you guys would like to like to have here? I did have one, and I don't know if it's entirely fair, so I apologize. But, Marty, you've worked alongside a lot of uh, great voices there, Prince Albert. And uh, how have you enjoyed this season so far with Nolan, just getting to know him as a person and uh, finding that comfort as a broadcaster? You know what? It's, uh, I, I have worked with a, with a few different different people, and, uh, and each one of them have their own style. And, and I've really, really enjoyed working with Nolan learning how he wants the, the game to progress on the air. Um, you know, I think we've, I, I think we've matched up pretty good, uh, you know, but it, it's, it's always fun because every, every one of them have had their own, have had their own persona, have had their own style. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I worked with Brian Munns and then Drew Wilson and, uh, Trevor Redden, Rob Mann, and, uh, and now Nolan, but you know what? Back-to-back guys from Manitoba. I'm getting a little tired of that. <laughs> too, too, too much Blue Bomber propaganda for you, Justin. You'll, you'll have to lobby the radio station, Marty, to put an end to that after I move on. <laughs> uh, but just to add to that, I, I feel lucky to have Marty because when I was an estimate, I, I also had a really good color guy who was local. And if you can have a really good color guy who is local and has been with the organization, been involved with the team and knows the community well, it, it, it makes it easy for a guy coming from, from outside of the city. And um, so it's been, uh, it's been, it's, it's helped me with my transition and, and Marty obviously has insight that I wouldn't have had coming in. So I think we have uh, had a pretty good tandem so far. I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. 
Awesome. How how has the first quarter gone for you, Nolan? Was it uh, kind of what was that first game like, or the first bunch here, just uh, settling into things? Yeah, it's 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 been good. You know, it's it's uh, it's been good hockey. It, you know, we got a competitive team here, so that obviously helps. Um, you know, the Art Hauser Center is a little bit of was it a little bit of an adjustment for me? I, I know a lot of visiting broadcasters love it. Uh, it is a cool rink, and I enjoy it. The only thing I'll say is. And this is just my own preference. It's a little bit low for me. That's the, just the vantage point <laughs> from the press box. I do like being just a little bit higher, and I do like to stand. And I can't, I can sit too, but I can't stand in the Art Hauser Center. So that's one thing. But uh, in terms of the hockey and the games, it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, I've gotten to go to a few rinks already that I had never been to in the past, and that's going to ramp up here over the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's a it's a privilege to call games at this level in Canada. There's only 16 jobs, right? So feel lucky and just want to make the most of it while I'm here. How tall are you, Nolan? This might be because I know Gino DePaoli here in Medicine Hat. He does not like the Hauser because he can't stand either. He's too tall. <laughs> uh, I'm 6'1". Six one. Six okay. One. Yeah. So and it's, it's a good, it's a good vantage point. And everyone has their own preferences. Right. And I just like to give you a sense, like the one, like moose jaw to me is like perfect, you know, and I just, our house is a little lower, but again, it's, that's a minor pet peeve of mine. It's uh, it's the the atmosphere and the fans make up for it because it's a loud rink to be in. And another question for you in particular, Nolan. I think I know what the answer to this question is going to be. But of all the teams, all the players that you've seen so far, who's the one player that you saw for the first time and just went, "Wow, this is a this this guy blows me away." Yeah. From any team. Denton Matejchuk. Manitoba guy. Sorry, Marty. <laughs> no, honestly, like I, you know, I had heard, I guess maybe I did see him play last year, but not to this extent. And boy, uh, we've seen him a few times now. And I just think the way he skates, his hockey sense, his passing, his shot, I think he could play in the NHL today. And I'm looking forward to watching him play at the World Juniors. I think he's going to be a very good defenseman in the NHL. One of those guys that you just appreciate one of those defensemen that can just control the game when he's at his highest level. And and I have uh, appreciation for those kind of defensemen and he fits the bill. So I'd go with Matejchuk, but again, I've only seen about a third of the league so far. So I'm looking forward to seeing who else catches my eye. I would, I would think Matejchuk's playing top four minutes for team Canada at the world, at the world juniors this, this December. If I, if I had to ponder a guess, I'd say he's up there and then, Possibly a guy like Tanner Mullenbeck maybe gets a look as well for for that uh, Canada, Canada World Junior team, but uh, that's a whole other discussion for a whole different podcast about Canada's World Junior team. But uh, once again, thanks once again, Nolan and Marty for taking some time out of your your day here to join us and uh, talk about the Prince Albert Raiders. Well, thanks a lot for having us, Nathan. It's, this has been a great chat, and uh, I'm sure you guys will be tuning in or watching over the next couple of weeks. So uh, looking forward to a great road trip, and hopefully the team can come back uh, on a strong note and head into the Christmas break on a high because the, the Christmas break's just right around the corner. When we get back from the States, it's only about a month away from the Christmas break. So the season's moving quickly, as always, I guess. Yeah, and thank you very much, Nathan. Great meeting you, James, as well, and uh you know, I, I appreciate you you guys reaching out and uh, Nolan. I wish you all the luck going going on the road. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna try and catch some of the games, but I have to admit, nine o'clock start times, man, that's getting a little late. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. Nolan, we'll meet you when you get in Medicine Hat and safe travels and uh, 
Marty, I guess just I don't know, get some Red Bull or something. Enjoy those late games. <laughs> good, 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 good old, good old cup of Joe for uh, Marty at about eight thirty p.m. And then would, would that last you till the second period, or is that going to get you through the whole thing? Well, that might get me through the whole thing. I'll, I'll see. It's you know, I do have a, I do have a part time gig during the winter that I have to get up early for. But ah, you know what? We we get nights off in between a couple of games, so we should be good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Once again, this has been. Episode 10 of the Two Paper Paper Guys podcast. Once again, plenty of podcasts out there. Thank you so much for taking the time to our listeners, for taking the time to listen to us ra- ramble with these guys for the last hour or whatever that we've been recording for. So have a great rest of your morning, evening, or night whenever you're listening, and we'll see you next time on the Two Paper Guys podcast.